Welcome to episode 5 of Holy Cow Cubs Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. And our guest today is Ryan Davis of FanRig Sports, Sporting News, and 2080 Baseball. Um, as you know, Ryan's a constant presence on, on Twitter at Ryan Q. Davis. And um, we had a pretty good talk about the Jose Quintana trade. The Cubs' recent hot start to start the second half. Um, Wilson Contreras and his improvement. And Jason Hayward, um, who seems to be actually hitting pretty well right now. Um, We had a couple of minor audio issues, but it sounds pretty good. So we might drop a word or two on Ryan's end, but it's pretty good. So um, here is episode five of Holy Cow Cubs podcast. So, the Cubs have came into the uh, second half with pretty much on a very down note. Got crushed by the Pirates the last two games. And then we come into the second half and the Cubs sweep the Orioles. Now, the Orioles are not a very good pitching team, to say the least. But the Cubs did take advantage, so you got to feel good about this coming out of the break, right? Uh, yeah, I... I mean, uh, three games in a row, when was the last time they did that? Um, so I, w- I want to say even just two games in a row, it had been, uh, you know, like almost a month since the Cubs had done that. So, uh, yeah, this is exactly how you wanted to start it. Uh, you dropped nine runs in the first two games each and then eight runs uh, in the third game out of the break and win all three. That's that's the best-case scenario. Yeah, it really is. And, of course, today, Sunday, this is when we're recording it, uh, Jose Quintana made his Cubs debut and it went very, very well. And that's got to be a boost for the team. Yeah, I mean, um, we were kind of talking about this before we started, but uh, depending on how you calculate game score, it was either his best game of his career or the second best or tied for the best, somewhere in that vicinity. So um, the fact that, you know, he, he comes out with the Cubs in his first game uh, in, you know, a five or six year career, his first game with the Cubs. Uh, puts up one of the best performances of all time. That's uh, that's setting the bar pretty high. It's a you know it's a good thing to see. The only thing you worry about is Cubs fans setting their expectations too high. Yeah, like you know, this is not going to do this every start, obviously. But you, you get a sense of what he's got. He's got very good fastball control and a very good curveball. I didn't. There wasn't. I didn't see as much of the slider today, but the curveball was yeah, very it's good. one of the better curveballs in the league. Um, this is something I've, I've been saying for quite a while, really, is is that Jose Quintana is one of the most underrated pitchers in the game. Um, you know, if you're just like ERA, he's been right there with Chris Sale when they were with the Sox the last couple of years. Um, you know, some of his peripherals aren't quite on the level of Sale, but, uh, I mean, just... You know, if you're looking at the elite category of pitchers in in Major League Baseball, Quintana's not in that. That Max Scherzer and, and Verlander, or not Verlander anymore, but uh, Kershaw and um, you know Sale, he's not in that category. But he's in that category right underneath with guys like John Lester. So, um, 
you know, that this is just a fantastic addition for the Cubs for this year and the fact that you get him for three years after that, which is probably, in my opinion, a much bigger deal than just getting him for 2017. Yes, the fabled cost-controlled pitcher is finally acquired by the Cubs. Right, yeah, yeah. But, but I was going to – actually, you brought up Lester, and I was going to – you know, watching Quintana pitch today – his, you know, repertoire and what he—it reminded me a lot of John Lester. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, he has the the curveball and the fastball, which are the main things. I, he throws a bit harder than Lester, I think. Um, Quintana sits around what ninety three, uh, ninety two, ninety three. Lester often is ninety ninety one, um, but uh, you know, I don't believe Quintana has the cutter that that Lester has either, but. Uh, as far as the way he handles yeah. himself on the mound, not walking a ton of guys, limiting base runners, um, yeah, there, there's a lot uh, of similarities in the style there. Yeah, so I guess we could move on to the, of course, the other part of the trade. Of course, you can't get anything without giving something. And um, the Cubs traded, well, I mean, the main part of the trade would be Eloy Jimenez and right. Dylan Cease. But I was, you know, had the feeling, I'm sure you probably agree, that the bigger loss in this in the trade was um, Jimenez as compared right, to Cease. yeah Jimenez is uh, is one of the top prospects in the game. Um, he falls in that category of uh, you know can't miss prospect. Uh, you know you never say that a guy is a sure thing to be a star, especially when he's in A ball. But uh, uh, he's one of those guys that as as scouting has gotten better over the years, you see you know these guys like Chris Bryant and. Uh, Addison Russell and, and all these blue chip prospects that you know are going to be quality big leaguers. Um, he, Jimenez falls in that category. Dylan Cease, on the other hand, he has a high ceiling. This kid could be a really good starter. Um, I saw him uh, and, and spoke to him uh, in Peoria this year when the when the South Bend Cubs were in Peoria playing the Chiefs. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's smart. He knows what he needs to do. He's working on a changeup that actually looked pretty good when I saw it. So he has two plus pitches with a fastball that hits, you know, 98, 99, and a, and a big curveball and a changeup that he's working on that, that could be a good pitch. The problem is he struggles to throw all of them for strikes. And the kind of thing on him is, you know, he's already had Tommy John surgery. He may end up being a reliever instead of a starter. He has the kind of stuff that you could see as a top of the rotation kind of guy, but the odds that he ever gets there is probably very small. So, um, the comp that I put on him, not that it's the same with the body size, but, um, he's kind of like Carl Edwards jr. Where Carl Edwards jr. Had the big, you know, the, the, good fastball with the big curveball, but he didn't have the, the other pitches in his repertoire. And there was always that doubt that, you know, Oh, he could be a top of the rotation starter. If he could put it all together and, you know, be able to hold up for a full season in a rotation. Otherwise he could just be an excellent reliever. And now we're seeing CJ Edwards as an excellent reliever. That could be the kind of thing that happens with Dylan Cease. Yeah. And obviously if you're going to be a reliever instead of a starter, your value goes down as far as like a trade piece so yeah it that that's a good way to put it um anyway i guess we'll move on um we were talking about kind of some in the vein of this trade but you and i were had a discussion the other day on twitter about um ian happ and eloy jimenez and it seemed like almost from the outside appearance as if you know ian happ had been his play had improved enough to the point where the Cubs felt comfortable trading 
Eloy Jimenez because they knew they had Hap right now. But you were saying that internally the Cubs had always been much higher on Hap than maybe the outside uh, you know, press had thought they were. Yeah, so. I, I mean, I, I think fans build their own opinions uh, of players. And, you know, the scouting reports on Hap um, and sites like Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, um, you know, they, they'd always said he's he's a good player, he's a good hitter, but, you know, he can't really play second base. He's just a, a corner outfielder. Um, you know, all, all the kind of things that, that fans had heard about Hap, where they had just formed their opinion and said, okay, so he's a good prospect, but he's not going to make it with this team. Um, because it just didn't seem like, based on what fans knew, uh, that, that he was a fit. Um, I went to the Cubs convention uh, in January, and I spoke to Jaron Madison and Matt Dory uh, with the Cubs organization, the directors of uh, scouting and uh, player development. And they had just glowing things to say about Ian Happ. And this is a kid who played uh, 65 games at Double A last year. It was okay there, but you know didn't give you any kind of indication that he was uh, done at Double A. Uh, or that he was going to fly up through the major leagues. And back in January, before that big spring that he had, um, Jaron Madison told me that he pretty much expected that Ian Happ would work his way to the big leagues this year. You know, even at that time, owned a double A to start the year, and he said, this is a kid we expect that will move to triple A and then maybe the big leagues by August or September. He even went as far as that um, back in January that uh, he saw um, yeah. the kind of rise like Albert Almora had. Uh, where, you know, he would start in the minors and then by uh, October could be on the big league roster playing a playing a role in the playoffs for the Cubs. You know, that's the kind of stuff that the fans never really thought about um, when they were saying that, oh, Ian Happ is the guy that you're going to trade. And, and it could just be that the Cubs were, you know, building up a guy that they didn't know would be around long term. But, you know, basically everything they said that they believed in him uh, they thought he could be a second baseman. They thought he could be the kind of guy who plays second and the outfield. Um, a lot of the stuff that they said about him ended up coming true. I think probably more than they even imagined. But uh, um, yeah, I always got a sense that the Cubs believed in him more uh, as a guy who could fit on their roster more than fans expected. Yeah, it, it, you know, the thing that kind of surprised me that maybe it shouldn't have, but the athleticism he displayed was much more than I expected. And, uh, you know, it just kind of was surprising that he had that kind of athletic ability. And that's something that Joe Madden actually said. Uh, I was up at Wrigley Field covering a game last Saturday, and, um, you know, somebody asked Madden about his defense, and he said um, basically that when Ian Happ showed up in spring training, uh, he thought he was just a hitter. He didn't know uh, that he could play defense uh, as well as he can. He didn't know that he runs as well as he can. And he said it wasn't until maybe the second or third game that there was a catch that, that Hap made during spring training in the alley in the outfield. And, and it really opened Madden's eyes and made him realize what an athlete he, he actually is. So uh, I think you, you're on to something there that it's you know, in, in the athleticism category. Um, it's not just the fans who didn't realize what a good athlete Hap is. I think uh, even even the coaching staff was a bit surprised by that. Yeah. So now, it, with that in mind, do you think that that did make him make Eloy Jimenez more expendable? That Hap had uh, done so well in the major that, league level. I think that makes Eloy more expendable is the fact that he's not on the big league roster. Uh, the thing that um, you heard Jed Hoyer talk about was. Um, 
you know, Jose Quintana meant more to the Cubs than he did to the White Sox. And Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease meant more to the White Sox than he does to the Cubs. Uh, so I think that's just their way of saying they're in a position now where they've been in win mode for, you know, this is the third year and prospects are great and everybody loves to get into prospects, especially as fans. And we spent years doing it, uh, just analyzing nothing but prospects with the Cubs. We're at a point where prospects are primarily for trading. Um, you know, uh, most winning teams, uh, you know, they, they use their prospect cachet to, to trade for established players to continue building and, and putting together, you know, the team long-term, um, Eloy Jimenez was never going to be available for a rental. Um, they weren't going to be trading him away to go for it right now, especially having won last year. Um, but for a guy like Jose Quintana, who's one of the better starters in the game and who comes with you know three and a half years of, of uh, control and at uh, basically $30 million for total for the next three years, which is, you know, you know, ridiculously cheap for a pitcher. Uh, yeah, it's a steal. I mean, it made sense for that deal, and and that's what the White Sox need is to keep building up those those young guys because they're where the Cubs were back in like 2013. Right now, I mean, they're just they're two years away from really contending. So um, that I, I think that's what made Eloy Jimenez more expendable. The fact that you know I don't I don't think the Cubs ever imagined that they were going to get to the point where Eloy makes it to the big league roster without having had to trade him. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. So I guess we'll move on now. And um, Wilson Contreras has just been just crazy the last couple of weeks. But you know, he started out slow this season, but of late he has really like exploded. And um, I just, I'm just amazed at. I guess we kind of expected this, but. It's still amazing how good he's done the past month. Right, yeah. Um, I tweeted out maybe a day or two ago his stats since, I want to say, even May 9th. And they're really good. It was like a 290 batting average with a 350-something on base and uh, 10 home runs. I mean, it's, he, he's just been one of the best catchers in the game. Uh, you, by most measures, you, you could even make an argument that he's top three this season. Um He's, he's just uh, so good, and I think it's what makes him even more special to the Cubs is uh, how raw he was as a catcher, even when he came up last year, which is basically um, a little bit you know before this time uh, last season was when he came up, and um, you know, his receiving skills were still raw, and he, he's come around in such a big way. Um, and on top of it, he wasn't one of the more... Um, anticipated prospects for Cubs fans. You know, when you look at that list, it's guys like uh, Bryant and, and Solaire and Schwarber and Addison, Russell, Javier Baez. Those were the guys that were really anticipated when they came up. I think Wilson Contreras has been um, maybe the second or third best of that entire group. And, and he was really just kind of a bonus. It felt like so. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a big love affair with Cubs fans going on with Wilson Contreras right now. Yeah, and obviously, um, full disclosure for full disclosure for me, I've always liked catchers a lot. Like going back to Rick Wilkins when I was a kid. So I've always been a big a big backer of catchers. Yes, thirty home runs one I've year, and then rest of his career not so much. Point. Yeah. yeah, but no, it's and it's. 
so valuable valuable to have such a good catcher because it's a position a lot of times that that people have that it's kind of like you know you're not expecting much from the bat you're looking for defense but to have a guy that can hit like this and play defense and I don't I haven't looked at framing statistics but I think he's getting better at framing yeah, too that's that's one of the major points for him I think is um, how far he's come in that category um, I don't think he's necessarily one of the best pitch framers in the game but uh, he's definitely not hurting the Cubs in that category I don't think yeah and the, the question too is of course he's He's been playing an awful lot of late. Do you think that the Cubs will go for that backup defense first catcher, or will they stay with Caratini? Uh, I think they will definitely look for um, uh, just a veteran catcher uh, to be able to take some time from Contreras. I, I think they like Caratini as a player. Uh, he's, he has a lot of similarities to Contreras in that he's uh, con- a converted player to catcher, so he hasn't played at that position for a long time. He, he's still very raw behind the plate. Uh, he has a lot of the same kind of problems, uh, pitch framing, that Contreras has. But Caratini's extremely athletic. He has a strong throwing arm. He works hard. He's going to be a pretty good hitter. Uh, so there's a lot of similarities with with b- between he and Contreras. Uh, I just think that the Cubs really love Contreras behind the plate, and they're settled with him. And I don't see a fit for Caratini long term with this team. So um, I see Caratini kind of in that same uh, category as uh, Jamer Candelario, where he's kind of blocked. Uh, he could be a, a solid major uh, once he fully develops, but uh, the, the Cubs pretty much need to move him at some point to give him a shot somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what I think, too. I expect a, some kind of addition of a yeah. backup catcher. Um, now we'll move on. And speaking of guys that we've been expecting to break out for a long time, it seems like Jason Hayward is finally, dare I say, breaking out at least for the past, like, since he's come off the DL recently. But he's been hitting the ball a lot harder of late. So should I get excited about that, or should I? Yeah, I, I do think you should be excited about that because I've liked uh, the way he's looked at the plate quite a bit this season, but the injuries in the DL since have kind of interrupted that. Um, coming out of the All-Star break healthy, He's showing you what he can do. He's had some of the better looking plate appearances uh, since he first arrived with the Cubs. Um, I think this is, if he can stay healthy, who he is going forward. Now, he's not going to go two for four with a walk every single day, obviously. But um, I think this is a guy who can drive the ball in the outfield, hit, hit for doubles hit the occasional home run um the patience has started to come around a bit more than it had you know in in the early part of the year where you're seeing him start to take walks um his bat looks quicker than it did before so um everybody knows that he overhauled his mechanics in the offseason uh he came into spring training and the mechanics still looked bad his wrists were stiff he didn't look comfortable um so I think that it's just been a work in progress with him getting used to his new swing mechanics. And um, I think he is going to start taking off. I, th- I I would bet that he is primed for a very good second half. Well, that would definitely help the Cubs down the stretch for sure. Right. So let's hope we see it. And it would make sense that it would take about three or four months for that swing to finally, you know, become second nature to right. you too. 
It's not something yeah, that would I think right a away. lot of people just expected it. They wanted to make their judgments right away on it. And I was getting people tweeting me in spring training after games saying, what do you think of his new swing? Do you think it's going to do this? Do you think it's going to do that? And I, I, I pretty consistently told people, I can't make a judgment on this probably until June. Uh, and that even got pushed back because he spent so much time on the DL. Uh, new swing mechanics, just they're, they're not an automatic thing. It's not, uh, you know, flip a switch and, and turn the page. It's, it, it's, it's a very difficult thing for a hitter to do. Uh, so I, I've been trying to preach patience with Jason Hayward uh, all this year and, and wait to see how things start to look. But um, yeah, I don't see this as just kind of a fluky stretch where he ran into some, you know, really bad pitching, which he did uh, with the Baltimore Orioles. But his swing mechanics look good and the swings that he's putting on the pitches look good. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of optimism for Hayward. All right. Now, this is normally a Cubs podcast, but. I do want to take a side note. What was going on with the Orioles pitching? Oh my God! Yeah, they're bad, man. They're they're not good. Uh, this is yeah. You know, I I was on the score talking to Nick Shekowski and uh, I mentioned um, the Orioles now are what five or six games under five hundred. They're you know forty two and forty seven or forty two and forty eight, something like that. They started the season twenty two and ten. So you can do the math on that. That's really bad. They're they're one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, they're they're just uh, the, their pitching is is pretty terrible. Uh, Ubaldo Jimenez came into today's game with a six sixty seven uh, ERA. Uh, probably went up because he gave up I think four runs in three innings. So um, yeah, I don't know, man. the The Orioles are just not a good team. Uh, their their pitching has been terrible. Uh, Chris Tillman was hurt to start the year. Kevin Gosman has been, uh, you know, having one of those bad years. I, there's just something about the Orioles organization where they just something internally stops them from developing pitching properly. And I've actually been pretty vocal saying, you know, if the Cubs are going to take a flyer on somebody who has low value, who maybe can't help in 2017, but could help going forward. I love to see them trade for Gosman because uh, that guy has talent. And I'm sure that, you know, he, he's the kind of guy that the Cubs could acquire and turn around like they did uh, with Jake Arrieta. Maybe not on that sort of level, but uh, in a similar fashion. Yeah, perhaps he would be worth a flyer to try to see that. Yeah, I can see that. But obviously, whatever the Orioles are doing, it's not right. working. I mean, it's hard to um, hard to think of the last starting pitcher that they developed that didn't have you know shoulder or elbow problems or you know just couldn't figure it out in the major leagues. I mean, they 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 have they have struggled to develop pitching for for years i i, I can't even remember one the last 10 years that they developed him I, I could just be forgetting somebody obvious but it, it's been a struggle for them yeah for sure so i guess then we'll move on to one more cubs question um so the brewers lost today the cubs now are four and a half back but how do you see this division uh, shaking out the rest of the year do you think the brewers can keep it going I, I do like the Brewers team. Uh, I think they're going to stay in contention. I don't know if they're necessarily a 90-win ball club right now, though. Uh, they do have some questions with their pitching. Uh, Chase Anderson, who was their best starter in the first half of the year, is uh, out with, uh, I think, an oblique strain, maybe. Uh, something that's going to keep him out for maybe a month or a month and a half. Um, 
I think they need to trade for a starting pitcher. They do have the prospect cachet to do that, but uh, um, I I just don't necessarily think that they're going to uh, outpace the Cubs the rest of the year. A four and a half game lead can disappear in a blink. Um, And, you know, the the Brewers just had their hottest stretch of the season. So, um, yeah, I I think the Cubs are still the team to beat in this division, which is crazy to say about a team that's almost five games back. But uh, with about 70 or so games remaining, uh, I think the Cubs do eventually catch and pass the Brewers and win this division. Uh, but I do like Milwaukee. I think they're going to win. You know, they're going to finish over 500. They're going to win somewhere between, you know, maybe 83 and 85, 86, 87 games, somewhere in that, that area. Yeah. And another good thing for the Cubs is they also, it looked like their only path to the playoffs was the Brewers, you know, the Central winning the Central. But the Rockies have also fallen on hard times. So the wild card door is open at least a little bit. Right. And it's not only the Rockies too, but the Arizona Diamondbacks who are, uh, I think a game ahead of the Rockies now, um, and maybe two and eight or three and seven in their last 10 games. So the, the two teams that everyone thought were running away with the wild card spots have come back down to earth a little bit. And yeah, uh, it absolutely could end up being, um, you know, the Cubs or the Brewers in one of those wild card positions, uh, when it's all said and done. So yeah, the, you're right. It, it, it was at one point a, uh, a situation where it seemed like a foregone conclusion that, you know, the Dodgers and Arizona Diamondbacks and Colorado Rockies were all going to be in the playoffs. And now you have, you know, the Cubs and, uh, the Atlanta Braves are back at 500. Uh, you know, this is the latest in the season. They've been 503 years. Uh, so yeah, the, there's all kinds of teams in contention for the playoffs that weren't necessarily a month ago. Yeah. So it'll definitely be interesting down the stretch anyway. Um, so I guess I'll just end on this. Uh, you, what do you got the plug? You fan rake sports, of course you write for a lot. But what are your, what do you got the plug? Uh, I write for the Sporting News. Uh, I do some work for 2080 Baseball, which is a scouting site. Uh, I go to Peoria Chiefs games, which is Midwest League, and uh, you know usually interview or talk to uh, A-ball players. I have something coming up soon on uh, DJ Wilson, who is with the South Bend Cubs. Uh, and uh, had been injured for a while and just got healthy again. So keep your eyes out on that. I did uh, kind of a... Uh, a semi scouting report uh, and looked at his his season and his projection. And uh, other than that, uh, that, that's pretty much it. You, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Q Davis. That's right. And then I am, of course, at STH85. And um, I think that's all I've got for you. So um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yep, absolutely. No problem. And Anytime. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We'll have a new episode next week.